Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Eddie Redmayne reteams with Felicity Jones for the Aeronauts. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, the great Eddie Redmayne, one of the more charming, sweet, talented gentleman on the planet, returns to the podcast today for another uh, random, fun, interesting conversation about a great many things, including his uh, excellent new film, uh, kind of like an old-fashioned adventure story with him and Felicity Jones, as I mentioned. They've reteamed. They, of course, starred together in The Theory of Everything. That one worked out pretty well, where uh, uh, Eddie took home an Oscar for that. And in this one, they play two, he plays like a meteorologist, a, a scientist. Um, they are in a gas air balloon and they, uh, it's kind of like a real time adventure set, uh, you know, many, many years ago, obviously. And they are um, kind of testing the limits of science and exploration and find themselves in a really harrowing adventure. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really, it's a great film to see on the big screen. They're both excellent in it. And uh, I had a great time with it. It opens on December 6th. Uh, you should check it out. It is called The Aeronauts. So that, that's the, the plugging for, for Eddie's new film, Out of the Way. Other, other than that, I, I just want to mention that this conversation you know, really runs the gamut. We, he, he was last on the podcast, I think it was about five years ago, surprisingly, although I've talked to him obviously many times for uh, on-camera conversations for Fantastic Beasts and other projects. Um, but it was, it was really fun to always, it's always fun to kind of like really go deep with, with Eddie in a kind of a... Um, a little bit more of a haphazard conversation, a little extemporaneous conversation. Uh, he's currently shooting a film that we reference uh, in, in this chat that I couldn't be more excited about. It's Aaron Sorkin's new film that he wrote and directed called The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, we allude to the fact that this is a, a true story uh, about anti-war activists that were uh, put on trial in the late 60s. Um, you can look uh, up the details if you want. That's going to be coming, I assume, probably late next year. I bet it's a, I bet it's an Oscar-y kind of a film for next year. So that's very exciting. Uh, also talk about his, his, his many friends that are currently you know, working on Broadway, whether it's um, you know, Jonathan Price or Tom Hiddleston or Charlie Cox, who again was in The Theory of Everything. Um, he really came up with this amazing crop of, of young, talented actors who are all now like hitting their stride. I mean, they've been hitting it for a few years, but they're like kind of ruling theater and film. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, as, as, you know, if you've seen Eddie talk, you know he's charming and self-effacing and um, just always a delight. So really thrilled that he came back on the podcast to talk about the aeronauts today. Uh, other things to mention, let's see, other th cool things you could watch that uh, I've done recently. Had a great chat with Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. Their film last Christmas is currently in theaters. Um, they couldn't be more uh, fun and charming to talk to. That conversation is up on MTV News' YouTube page. You can still check out my uh, personal space conversation, my extended chat with Jason Momoa, who was just a blast to talk to. We went to Rivington, Rivington Guitars in uh, New York to talk about his life and career and his new film on Apple C. Um, and then I, saw, I talked to the Charlie's Angels gang, the whole, all of them, the, the, three, the three leads, including Kristen Stewart and uh, Elizabeth Banks, the writer and director. So that's going to be up on uh, MTV News' social platforms and YouTube page uh, very soon. I think by the end of this week, you'll be able to watch that one. So lots of good stuff, lots of good movies out there, guys. Um, 
Ford v. Ferrari opens this Friday. I would highly recommend that one. That's James Mangold's latest film, Another True Story, starring Christian Bale and Matt Damon. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Marriage Story is playing, I think, in, in New York and, and select theaters. That's going to be on Netflix in a little bit, but that's one of my favorites of the year. Um, it's turned out to be a pretty great year in film. Uh, so hopefully you guys are enjoying uh, the newest offerings as much as I am. And that's about it. Let me let me toss it to my, my big old conversation with the great Eddie Redmayne right now and with one last reminder to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Please spread the good word. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy this, this chat with the one and only Eddie Redmayne. Can you believe, okay, Eddie, it's been five years since you've been on the podcast. Has it? Yeah, isn't that weird? I mean, I've seen you a thousand times in the interim. In the interim, but doing other things like yes. making faces. <laughs> yes, yeah, like like doing happy second yeah. faces, which we'll do again, of course, <laughs> today. Um, yeah, but it's five years since you broke the Birdman action figure well, that's still thank here. You. I broke that. God, that was vicious of me. <laughs> I'm about to work with Michael Keaton, so I'm. Uh, I was going to say you can I, hash this out. I exactly. I'm so. I'm so excited. He's. Um, yeah, you probably got, got. Did you get to know him a little bit on the I Oscar circuit fleet, that year? Fleetingly, and I um, liked him so much. And we've just we haven't we've got sort of two scenes together in this movie, but it, the film I'm filming, sorry, currently. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited. I'm also looking at your table of things, and most terrifyingly, I'm seeing a poster for Willow. <laughs> Willow was yeah. a film that I was taken to see when I was about eight years old. Right. And. I went to the loo about 26 times during it. And my, I was taken by um, a grown-up. She was like, you all right? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm loving this movie. I just have to go. I was so terrified of that film. Well, Queen Bev Morda is an imposing... Was that her name? That was I mean, her name. A, a wicked witch stealing babies. <laughs> What's was, weird about that? What's creepy about that? Beyond. And uh, genuinely just seeing that. That the image is, t- is yeah, PT- PTSD, yes. PSTD, uh, one of those. Eddie has broken out into yeah. a cold sweat. Sweats, genuinely, genuinely. Um, so yeah. is, New York, is New York a temporary home right now? Mm. It is. We've, uh, so my wife and I uh, have moved over here with our little ones for four months and um, loving it. Absolutely loving it. It's, Probably. Um, so is this the first time you've lived in New York since since Red? Since Red, yeah. So I did a play here. God, it feels like yesterday at this point, a decade ago. So. Yeah. Um, and... It is as vibrant as ever. It's just filled with life. And it's, there's something about the... Also, one of the first film I did, one of the first films I did was The Good Shepherd, and we shot that here. And it's the first time I've kind of... We're shooting in New Jersey, but the first time I've yeah. shot over here for an age. So. Well, it must also be... I mean, like, obviously, your life has changed quite a bit. You've got a full-on family. Mm, so yeah. you're, you're a different, it's a different Eddie in some respects yeah, that's living exactly. in a, a New York life right now. We were just talking about like all these... Restaurant, the restaurants, honestly, haven't seen them yet. Yeah. <laughs> I get to bed by 10 30, I'm fine. Um, yeah. It also strikes me, I was looking around, you know, I see a fair amount of theater here. I feel like everybody you've ever worked with is currently on, on stage, on stage here true. right now. This is quite true. Yeah, which is probably <laughs> a sign saying that I should go do a play. We'd love to see. Yeah. So, so Tom and Tom Hiddleston and uh, Charlie Cox doing Betrayal, yep. which I saw in London, um, was fantastic. Yeah. And Jonathan Price is here on stage. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Aaron's doing a Moulin Rouge, right? Aaron Tveit is doing Moulin Rouge. Have you seen that? Yes. Is it extraordinary? It's spectacular, as you would expect. I can't. I bet 
clearly the tickets cost $9,000 and are impossible to get, but I'm going to have to pull as many that was the hardest, strings that's as That's the hardest I can. sticking in town right now. I had to pull yeah. a lot of strings to get into that one. That's my and Aaron Sorkin's... Um, I haven't seen yeah, that yet. Kill yeah. Mockingbird. Uh, Kill Mockingbird. So I've got, I've got plenty of theatre to... And then this amazing play, which was on in London, called The Inheritance, which oh. is just opening here, that, um, again, I didn't see in London, so I'm hoping to catch here. I'll add that to the list. So is, is theatre... I mean, again, you've got... You've got a lot going on at home. Mm. Is theater something realistic at this point to yeah, get back to? Always or? realistic. And the, but for me, the, I suppose there's a certain sense with British actors that there's this like canon of parts that you're meant to sort of play. Um, a lot of them are Shakespeare and, um, and classics. And when I started doing theater, one of my first play in London was an Edward Albee play right. um, called The Goat. And then I did John Logan's play Red and a Christopher Shin play called Now Late. They were all new plays. And I loved having the writer in the room and getting to create characters sort of for the first time. Yeah. Um, and so the last play I did, which was an age ago, was Richard II. Uh, and, and so since then, I've been sort of craving to do an, a, a new play. And, and finding what that is, is has been... Um, it's a little challenge. It, it, you were kind of spoiled. The ones you rattled off there You're are absolutely all... right. I've been so spoiled. And I've had this weird thing in the theatre. I mean, films, I've done lots of sort of films that are hit or miss. Right. Um, but theatre, I've the, the, the difference with theatre is you... I, my way of choosing theatre is I always go, okay, worst case scenario. Right. You and the director don't get on. Right. Uh, the rehearsal process is a nightmare. The reviews are horrendous. No one comes and sees it. <laughs> like, is there enough in the part and the play yeah. to still give you kind of sustenance continuously for, for, for months on end when so, you're playing to empty theatre? And so weirdly, that's quite kind of an easy bar. decision to yeah, make. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with film... There is an alchemy, which I've never quite understood. You know, right. there, there are scripts that I thought were brilliant yes. that end up being bad films. There are scripts that I thought were a bit dodgy that end up being good films. Like yeah. there's, a, there's something in the process of making it that is, um, that is, that is an Still alchemy. Still mysterious, yeah. yeah. Mysterious, which is wonderful. You know? is, is, um, you mentioned, uh, and I've seen Betrayal. I saw both in London and in New York. So I yeah. saw Charlie and Tom do their thing along with Zawe. Zawe, who's, who's extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. So did... I know you knew Tom in school, yeah. Charlie, just on the circuit. Like, like Charlie, like... I met. But I'll tell you how I met him. I met him when I was doing. It was at the opening of the Goat, this Edward Albee play yeah. in London at the Almeida Theatre, and Charlie had just finished doing um, Merchant of Venice mm. with Al Pacino, and he came to see the play, and we were both, and we met and clicked and became fast friends and uh and and then when he did theory of everything it was kind of the most it was it was amazing in theory of everything because obviously felicity and i had sort of showier parts right. and yet he grounded that film and this real man in in wonderfully and 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 so that was special for us actually, does, does the peer group that you kind of got to know early on like whether it's like like when you see tom's career for yeah. instance is yeah. that like what you would have like yeah oh yeah he's gonna be this like i mean i, I walked out of the theater <laughs> with him once and i saw i've never seen yeah i've never seen people react i to don't think being. any of us honestly <laughs> had and there, what I adore it is that there was this troupe. Like we were all auditioning, whether it's Tom or Charlie or Rob Pattinson or Tom Sturridge, um, uh, Andrew Garfield. We just for years we were scrappy, hungry young actors. Like and and but but it did, but there, we were just going up for tiny parts and tiny things, and we'd be like looking slightly kind of 
disheveled, wandering right. around Soho in London, where all these re- these audition rooms yeah. were in the basements of these so underneath the edit suites and. And we'd go for these auditions and, and you'd end up having c- catastrophic auditions and going to the pub and kind of laughing about it afterwards. Right. And um, it felt, I look, we look back on it with great romance. Yeah. It was probably horrendous I'm at sure. the time. And, but what was lovely was that you were, what's been amazing is from that group, we've all won some and lost some. And, yes. and so that, and, and of course there's competition and there's, um, and over, over the years, but the wonderful thing is because everyone has sort of had an, element of success by now uh, it's like okay everybody yeah, got yeah. has but, gotten their due and f- figured out their path exactly but what yeah. also i feel like the wonderful thing about acting is you get to work with older actors from the word go yeah and you see and you hear from them in kind of mentorish places that that obviously careers in our world are, uh they oscillate you yeah. know they never go they never start in one place and end up go, continuously being fantastic right. they kind of their ebbs and flows and and uh, but the lovely thing about working with elder actors is that you that they're still doing it and they're yes. still passionate about it and and that you can have moments that hit at different times and parts that suddenly appear and then you can have periods when it's so i think feel like we all have a reassurance in that yeah well you knew you mentioned someone like jonathan price who's somebody that like like when i was a kid like i loved he was in brazil and it was mm. amazing and there have been probably five like five-year patches where I haven't seen Jonathan Price in a film. Yeah. And, like, he's probably been working steadily, but, like, for whatever reason, like, right now he's got the two popes and he's on yeah. Broadway and it's yeah. like, he was yeah. in the wife last year. Exactly. It's, well, so John, Jonathan is, firstly, gave me, so he basically put me in this play, The Goat, this Albie play when I started and really was a mentor and I adore him and his wife, Kate Fye, he was also in that play and, and similarly, I learned so much from him and continuously go and watch him on stage and yeah. do brilliant things, you know, um, uh, on screen. But but getting to then that, that extraordinary thing when a part hits the right person yeah. at whatever point in your career you are and seeing two popes, which is a masterclass from both him and Anthony Hopkins, was just, yeah. I found it really emotional. I was really moved by it because... It, all, all Jonathan's work has always been exceptional, but for me, this was sort of other level. Yeah. No, I will say, I mean, when you were talking about your, your kind of your friend group, it's funny because, like, in a different way, like, obviously, I talked to you guys too over like the last 10 yeah. like, years. You're like a therapist. Honestly, I do feel like this weird, like, I'm rooting for all you guys and I have this connection. It's like, I knew you before, like, Fantastic Beasts yeah. happened, and I, and I knew Rob way before. Like, I saw Rob at a party this weekend, and I'm like, you're Batman. What the yeah. fuck? Like, yeah. It's this happened, yeah, and it's great to sort of just like even be like uh, to watch the ride, even. From but a also, bit from what's so weird is when you've been in it long enough, and like our relationship with you, for example, it's this sort of we meet in these odd environments, yeah. and uh, you're a kind person, and you and you are no, but you have an a, like a warmth to you that, right. that, it, that it is a sort of it's lovely to and, but that's what the industry is is that you realize when you start out you feel like it's going to end with the next job right and the wonderful thing when you've been doing it long enough that whether it's journalists yeah. or actors or people that there's it's a familiarity a of and people human beings and, <laughs> and, and you're not a one person band yeah. basically which to begin with it feels like um it's good so um we should mention you mentioned felicity uh who obviously you've reteamed on for this new one the aeronauts so what, when did you first meet felicity uh, we contest this. <laughs> no, she, she, I feel like we, we met at a party of a playwright called Polly Stenham, um, who was actually a kind of almost a, a sort of ringleader in some ways, of, not a ringleader, but she housed a lot of these young reprobate actors when we were all starting out. She's yeah. a wonderful playwright, screenwriter. 
Um, I thought we met at her house once, but Felicity thinks we didn't. <laughs> we met an audition. <laughs> made an impression. We met an audition for a film <laughs> that never got made called Mood Indigo, in which Felicity was cast and... She was telling me the other day it was me, Tom Hardy, and oh. Andrew were testing for this part opposite, and Dominic Savage was directing it. And we had to stare, he told me to stare into Felicity's eyes just to see if we had chemistry for sort of two minutes. And, uh, and I didn't get the part. <laughs> so it's always been a bit of a thing that, like, um, occasionally when a reviewer goes, yeah, Felicity and Eddie have great chemistry, I'm like, it feels very warming because there was a period when it clearly wasn't uh, there. But, um, so we met then, and then, but we really became close. And and again, so similarly to the guys, you know, whether it was um, Felicity or Carrie Mulligan or Haley Atwell, and all these sort of actresses that I've worked with over the years, we, we you know we were all pals as well. So sure. it's kind of it's wonderful getting to to work with mates. It's funny. I think when I saw you, and maybe it was for the Last Fantastic Beasts. I think we were just chatting, and I was asking about this film, and I was so like. Like under the, I didn't realize what this film was. Mm. I was like, oh, it's going to be a sweet story mm. of just like you know, hanging out at hot air ballooning. Yeah. It sounds like such like a, a nice little romp. And you're like, uh, no, I, I'm dying. It yeah. almost killed me. Yeah, and and yeah, it's basically it's like gravity in a hot air balloon. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's what I loved about it. And it, so when you read a script, we were talking about alchemy and like what makes it. I, I just read this script, and there is a moment in the film where Felicity. Climb, which you may have glimpsed in the trailers, and yeah. she, you know, she climbs on top of this balloon, and she is literally on top of the world. And I read the description of it, and I said, you know, in this time where everyone's questioning cinema and uh, and the role, I was like, I want to see that. Yeah, I, I just want to see it. And sometimes the reason one chooses a a, a a job is can be to do with who you're working with. It can be to do with the character. It can be you know a collection of things. But for me, it was just I just want to see that. Like I would like yeah. to be in a movie that that happens in, and it sort of yeah. and it weirdly sort of fulfilled that for me. And and um and the weird mixture in this film of, in the one hand, you have the intimacy of two people confined to this you know two meter by two meter space, yeah. and then you but on this canvas it's like this thrilling macro yeah. um, adventure. So I thought those things were kind of intriguing. And, and a clever kind of construct where it's essentially in real time, but you're flashing back to yeah. earlier portions of the, of the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there was a point where our director wanted it because so, the, so the, 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 the balloon journey takes place, as you say, in real yeah. time. But there's a second when he wanted it to be exactly second to second to second oh, wow. to second. And, I was like, I think that's going to be a bit ambitious. I'm not quite sure those timings. <laughs> gonna, is anyone exactly, really going to? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, this must be like Al Roker's favorite movie. You're celebrating meteor- meteorology. Yeah, this is it. There you go. This so, is finally the movie he's been waiting for all know, his life. It's like someone was describing it as like the most British film ever. It's like two people in a balloon in tweed talking about the weather. Um, I promise it you it's not that movie. It's much yeah. more than that. Yeah, what... Um, yeah. So, did you? Uh, I've never hot air ballooned. Yeah. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on this. So it's actually gas air balloons. Okay, gas they, air. and there is a difference just okay. because. So basically, gas air balloons are literally a balloon filled with hydrogen and helium, with ropes attached to it, attaching it to a basket. Whereas hot air balloons, you can turn up the heat, which oh, which see. judges how high it's going. And so the only way that you can let a gas air balloon down is by letting the gas out, pulling on a rope that lets the gas out. Got it. And it means that the only way that you can um, keep going higher is by letting sandbags out, losing ballast. Anyway, when Felicity and I made the film and they'd built this gas balloon, because they don't really exist in, in Britain anymore, yeah. so they built one, which has to go through the t- same testing as 
aeroplanes, the aeronautical test to sort of... Good, I would um, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is fine, which makes it sound really safe, but it was in no way safe and we very nearly died. And after Felicity and I had done all this research on these 19th century air balloonists, and they all basically end up dying. And then suddenly, after we did our first flight in which they were being shot from... Heli- we were being shot from helicopters and drones. And, right. and that was all very great and peaceful and beautiful. And then, um, and then, but when we tried to land, we did crash into a forest and come hurtling down and Felicity very nearly died. And, and I was like, oh, why did, it not occur, why did it not occur to me having read all this 19th century literature right. and knowing that basically the technology hasn't changed in 150 years. Right. Why did I think it was going to be any different? Well, now you know why they kept going back up and then let themselves get into that situation. But but the oddest thing was that whenever you do a film, the insurance medical thing you do, they want to check that you're not going to sort of die of an illness while you're doing it because all this money's been invested. And and on this film, the, the insurance rigmarole they put me through, I had to like run topless with things attached and what are they called? Oids. <laughs> yeah, 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 something yeah. oids attached to my to see whether I was healthy enough. And I love that they sort of put all of that to check that I wasn't going to get a stitch, you know, or right. get like breathless. But at the same point, they were then. very willing to put us into a death <laughs> machine. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, are you the, uh, have you jumped out of a plane? Have you bungee jumped? Are you uh, any of that stuff? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not that guy. I don't feel like I don't want to judge you, prejudge. <laughs> you did prejudge. I saw it on your face. I'm not that guy. But I will, um, yeah, no. No urge. If I were to do it, I probably would jump out of a plane rather than bungee jumping because I just feel like bungee jumping is just like at least years of, of osteopathy afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> jumping out of a plane, you're putting your trust in one expert. Yeah, I'll, have, I'll tell you what I have done is I've like jumped off. I have like paraglided off a cliff, that like off a mountain. Per- okay, don't sell yourself Thanks. short, there buddy. There you go, man. <laughs> there you go. Take that judgmental face back. <laughs> was someone chasing you or was this voluntary? No, no, no you just this kind is- of walk off. I actually skied off like a mountain. Yeah. Okay. It's great though because you don't have to have the moment of going, oh, I'm jumping off a cliff because you just gently ski and then it catches the air, you know, it catches the parachute behind you and then you're... Oh. Okay. I mean, I was attached to someone. I wasn't okay. by myself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but the great, yeah, yeah. Is, um, so what percentage of the actors that we've talked about would you want to be confined uh, in a basket with for, for months on end? With all those guys? Yeah. Actually, you know what? All of the ones I've mentioned, I would be very oh. happy to, 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 to hang out and have, oh, they are pals. Most nice. of those people. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't named any, <laughs> any of the Turks. Hardcore enemies. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay, so we. Although uh, I know that's what you're looking no, for. No, I'm not. <laughs> By omission, now I can figure it out. Oh wait. <laughs> no. Okay, so since we haven't ever had, we haven't had this kind of a chat post, uh, remarkably post the amazing uh, Theory of Everything Oscar run, did it did it change a lot for you personally and professionally in retrospect? Ah, it. Um, I mean, what what it changed was it just gave you more choice because again, the, the other thing is the sort of. Um, you know, the reality of our industry is all financial and that you're all on lists, apparently. I've never seen these lists and how <laughs> financially viable you are internationally and, yeah. and so whether small movies can be put together. with and, and, and I, again, watch it with older actors and you're, you're on a list at a certain place and, and, uh, and, and you don't know where that is, but you're conscious that you're not being offered the, right. the, the work. And then, and then suddenly for a moment you're on top of that list and you get offered more things. And, and, and again, that'll change and shift as people's... Um, so what it did is it allowed choice, which I hadn't had in film form, you know, yeah. and, um, and that, but what's interesting about that is whereas when 
at this time when we were all in Soho and going out for auditions is you, what happens is you get sent an email by your agent that says, you know, this is Elizabeth the Golden Age starring right. Kate Blanchett, you know, directed by Shaker Kapoor with Jeffrey Rush. And, and you're like, wow, all those people are brilliant. And, yeah. uh, and it, they want you to audition for this part. And so you go on audition for yeah. that part. And if, if you get it, you Amazing. do it. Yeah, sure. you know, where suddenly what happens when you, you is you're now being sent these scripts before they've maybe got directors attached or maybe got, and, and you're the person who has to, uh, who, whose taste, I suppose, is being challenged or. Um, right. Uh, whereas before you, a lot of the things you're, you're, like, you're, okay, well, like, you're, you're a cognitive machine, but you'd also go, well, if these great quality people are right. attached, then you, you know, and suddenly you're, you're sort of having to sort of make some of the calls and, and, and that's been curious. I've, I've kind of loved it um, in, in some ways. And, but are you a good judge of a script? Like first uh, read? Let's, do you know what my, I, I often have an, inst- there's an instinct. Alfred yeah. Molina said something when we were doing red, which is that you sort of read a script and, and there's a moment where you feel nausea, which is when you basically realize you've got to do it. You go from reading it as an objective thing to kind of seeing, and I, I, I feel sort of the same about that. Um, yeah. But then what's lovely is when there's a no-brainer, which like, for example, the film I'm doing at the moment, the Chicago, Trial of Chicago 7, yeah. where, where this thing just leaps off the page in a way that, that you just go, well, sign me up. I, you know, I'll, I'll do craft service. Like, I'll do so, anything to... So let's talk about that one for a second, because I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for that for a number yeah. of reasons. Um, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, I don't have a bucket list, basically. This is quite often when you're acting, people go, yeah. you know, who do you want to work with? What do you want to do? Who are the actors? Yep. And then... I don't really have any answers to those questions other than Aaron Sorkin. So when this came around, it's... Yeah, it was a moment when the phone call sort of happened and, and, I, and then I read the script, uh, was sent the script going, please, please be, please be good. And, and, it, and it was. And so. for those that don't know, I mean, I, I know a little bit of this. I've, I remember I saw a doc, I think it was by Brett Morgan many years mm. ago about, about these guys, uh, this anti-war activists. Um, this is a project that's been around for a while too. Has, Spielberg yeah. was going to do it, I remember yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing ensemble. You're yeah. playing uh, Tom Hayden, yeah. anti-war activist. Uh, um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about... Also, here's another, that's something that occurred to me. I don't think I've heard you, at least in a while, speak in an American accent. Yeah. How's that going? <laughs> what I find really weird about that is I had years of um, doing these tiny little films that always went to Sundance. Yeah, yo, Barely got this saying, yeah. Cetera, yeah. Playing all these Americans and, and on theater, on stage, you know, right. red and playing American. And uh, so I felt like basically my whole 10 years of my career was it, but the answer is no one saw any of those movies. So, uh, <laughs> so it doesn't feel strange to me, but it okay, feels... Okay, well, um, that's a good sign. But, but, it's, but, it's, but it's also, um, no, it's been wonderful and getting to, to work with... I've, I actually love dialect because I tend to approach it in a way, it's a bit like a, playing the piano or learning a dance or something. Like I'm a really crap dancer and it takes me forever to learn the moves. Yeah. But once I've really got them embedded in me, I can kind of sell yeah. it. And, 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 and so what I love, you know, when, as an actor, you're always trying to like work out what your route through a character is, what the process is. Or, and what's lovely when you, you're doing a specific accent is you start in a really technical level. Right. Months beforehand is how I like to do it. And then by the time you're playing, it's so embedded that you act, it frees you in a right. weird way. Um, so, yeah. Did what you, was the question? Did, I, don't, I don't know. That's okay. We, we both are very yeah. extemporaneous. Uh, that's the, the perils of this podcast. Um, did you know much about this history, though? Like, was this? A, I knew nothing about it. And then I read the script, and it's... Um, 
you know, is a it's a film about these anti-war activists. Um, it's about the sort of the state um, making an example of them. I've got to find a way to talk about the film. It's a courtroom thriller, but it is the most scintillating writing sure. that I've, yeah. I've, I've read in an age. And it has this thrilling um, kind of urgency to it. And, and it's a proper ensemble. And that's what I suppose was something that I hadn't realised that I... You know, whether it's the Theory of Everything or The Danish Girl or, or Aeronauts. Um, and Fantastic Beasts is much more of an ensemble, but, but to to get to work with this array of actors. And yeah. I knew that because of the quality of the writing that Aaron would attract wonderful writers. But the film's not, you know, it, it, since I was attached to it, it fell apart a couple of times. Right. And it's, and, and the, you know, the, that's been quite emotional <laughs> because we were sort of all you ready really to go. invested in it, yeah. Um, you're quite, quite invested in it. Um, but yeah. yeah, you've got what, Sasha Baron Cohen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, and Mark, Mark Rylance. Joe Gordon-Levitt so and um, lovely actor Alex Sharp. Um, and um, John Carroll Lynch and 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 uh, Michael Keaton. I mean, it's really That's awesome. filled to the brim. And and like Mark Rylance literally gave me my first ever job playing Viola in Twelfth Night, uh, opposite him playing Olivia, wow. almost twenty years ago. And that was a, you know that got me a, an agent and a career. And Amazing. and so getting to and because a lot of it is courtroom. And Frank Langella is in it as well. Getting to watch Frank Langella and Mark Rylance. Masterclass. It's a genuine is. Yeah. Like we all, uh, we just sit there kind of. Yeah. Uh, the last, yeah, it's yeah. funny because I didn't realize he was playing William Consular, who I, I mean, I, as a New Yorker, I grew up, like that's a, I can see Rylan's yeah. doing that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. No, it's, um. Anyway, um, so also, so, you know, we've also made light of the fact that like part of what I appreciate and many people I think appreciate about you is like, um, your kindness, but also you're so self-deprecating and sort of like very, like own like your nervousness at times yeah. in situations. Blah. <laughs> That's how, how it can be summed yeah. up, right? <laughs> if there was a yeah. sound that embodied Eddie yeah, Redmayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so neurotic, <laughs> self-loathing. But here's the thing. Okay, so like, so so even post-Oscars, is that not something that where you can like, if you're in your nervous moments on a set, you can, you can think like, I have got, I've reached the, the top. I have been celebrated in no. that way. Because you because you know that. Look, the thing about acting is that anyone can have an opinion, um, because you're playing humans, and so right. any human can stop and go. I think that's unreal. I don't like that. I don't, yeah. you know. And uh, um, and in acting, you're made aware of it. People, yeah. and they tell you lovely things, of course, and they tell you when you when the, you they think you 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 fail, and and so what's so it's a it's a life of any I suppose person working in the public eye and something you're up for, for for people's criticism, but the interesting thing is that no one is as critical as you know, I, I heard Kate Blanchett say it actually it was interesting to see it again from people that you think are formidable yeah that, but 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 you're no one's as critical as you are about yourself and so what's sometimes tricky with acting is when people are going. I don't believe that. You're like, no, 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 don't worry. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm like, way I, ahead I, I'm, of I'm you. way ahead of you. I'm not sitting here <laughs> thinking I freaking nailed this. Yeah, like, exactly. you know, I, and um, uh, and the weird thing about film more than anything is you can't do anything to change it. So you're in the hands of others, and that's what. Um, and you only people go, oh yeah, but you got hundreds of takes. You, you really don't. And on particularly something like yeah. um, the, the Sorkin movie, which is sort of a low budget. Yeah. You know, indie film in some ways you are 
you get you're you're in and out. You are fire, and and there is a, and then you just have to to wait, <laughs> and then see the things that you were upset with. Whereas in theatre, you can go and try and mend it, and, and that you, is the constant appeal of theatre: is you can kind of go and have another. It's iterative. It's sort of like yeah. Well, yeah. it's also you're making a. Tr- I was, I'm always struck by like actors that have to like make choices on that first day yeah. on a set the, that you can't like. There's only so far you can you can vary now from where that initial choice. Yeah, well, you need to is, be consistent. But, but, and and then you you talk about um, and I was Paul Dano is a good friend and he was directed a film recently and was talking about how riveting as an actor it is being in the edit suite and yeah. seeing from our points of view you see as an actor you you have an instinctive choice that you've sort of created in a vacuum because you've been working by yourself for an age. And when you have four takes, do you choose those four takes to mine that specific choice? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Because you've got this idea, but you want to like make sure that the, the camera captures the best version of it. Or you... Just let it go. Or, or do you totally let go and get yeah. four different, completely different variations yeah. and hopefully consistently listening to what the other actors are giving you back. But um, and, and it was interesting hearing his take on that, having... having step from you know behind the camera so what does um, he as a director want does he want yeah well he says it? well i think it's i think it's more complicated than one or the other but yeah. it's riveting to to find the and i think that the more i sort of i i find that um all of that um compelling but there was a, an actor um who said and i'm totally misquoting because this was i was told secondhand recently that there, there's a sort of that one of the things that, that that makes acting unfulfilling yeah. sometimes is that when you go home there's just a graveyard of of untapped ideas you know, do, do you know what yeah. i mean and so rather than going oh you got those ones but all of these other things that you could have been number that, of variations, uh, you, never variations got to. That you could have got to and that that maybe is slightly kind of obsessive <laughs> but i but i uh, when someone told me that neuroses right there yeah yeah <laughs> although i was talking to mark rylance about it that, the other day and he described it as trying and he's such a sort of beautiful optimist and he was like thinking of it more as a meadow of of growing ideas of course he does and uh, which i thought was <laughs> so i've tried to take that and there you uh, go think about the meadow Eddie. yeah absolutely <laughs> the meadow the happy place was and then told him that re- recently <laughs> recently my wife and i rent a house in the countryside of england and, and she's a great gardener and she i'm super impatient and not a great gardener but she said hey, go, go and just throw these um seeds down and just make a meadow of you know the meadow and I was like I thought you just had to rattle these seeds around it then transpired you had to sort of dig everyone in with sand took forever <laughs> meadow died meadow died so I was like when Mark was telling me about this meadow of ideas I, was like, Mark, is, no. I literally kill meadows <laughs> that's what happens I'm a meadow slayer that's your nickname yeah <laughs> is um is there a point now it's still in every film where you you even if it's not a rational thought, you think you're going to get fired? You think it's not going to... Um, I think I'm sort of weirdly over that bit. But what happens definitely when it started, like, for example, Theory of Everything, you know, I was cast without an audition. I was cast through a long discussion. And I think there were various other actors that, that James Marsh had sort of wanted or spoken to. And, but sweetly, he can't be cast me without an audition, which is amazing, but... God, it would have been terrifying to try and audition as Stephen Hawking before having done four months research. Sure. But I do remember day one on set being like, here it is. Are you... And, and, Are and we on the same, same, same with the day... Yeah. Although it's interesting, in the Danish girl, um, we did some tests very early, f- f- partly because I wanted to and because Tom Hooper wanted to, you know, to see just uh, yeah. months before we started filming. Um, and then... Uh, but I... 
Yeah. And, and so quite often, for example, now it'll be when you're auditioning with other actors who are auditioning for it, that the directors will get a first glimpse of something and you're always like, is that so? what you are? You know, you don't still have to audition, can you? Are you not, done? Not, not, I mean, at the moment I don't, but... Because but, but, we've been through the traumatic audition. We, we have so. been through the traumatic, but at the same point, as I always say to, you know, I think... What the other thing that happens is within an industry, you're seen in a certain way. And I've done, as we've said, like years of doing English period dramas. Right. And, uh, you know, I always make it absolutely clear that, that you are then, as, as you just said, you haven't done an American accent for a while. And the fact that those little films that you've done, the people that you, right. that you care about, the directors you'd like to work with, obviously haven't seen those because they were tiny little films and they weren't necessarily. Right. Anyway, but so you, I'm always an advocate of you put yourself on tape or to, to, to prove people um, yeah. that you're, you are capable of something different. So I, I don't, I'm, I, there's no kind of, um, there's no like I wouldn't audition right. for anything. And you, and you watch what your friends have, have done at recrafting people's interpretation of them. Yeah. Is, um, so in retrospect, in the decision process for Fantastic Beasts, was there much doubt at all? Or was it like this is, there's too many pros, there's too many obvious great benefits to this to have much concern? Did you know that I got to read the first script and I just, I loved the magic and, of the world of it. And I found the character unique because he was, he felt like an anti-stereotype um, really of, in the midst of a, of a, of a, a big sort of movie world. I yeah, like that. That's not the gentle, that, that, yeah, that's not the protagonist we're yeah. used to seeing. And, and um, so that was, there was no question. Yeah. And, and I've got to say, I have loved making them. They're, they're a re it's a really creative bunch. Um, yeah. Do you still, do you keep in touch with cast in between the... Uh, yeah, that's big. There's a beast to WhatsApp group. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alison's currently in Australia, I think. Uh, so he's just back in New York. <laughs> um, yeah. God knows where exactly, Ezra is. Exactly. Who knows what he's up to. <laughs> who, uh, uh, yeah, we, Ezra is... Um, who knows where Ezra is, but he just makes me so happy, that human being. All of them do. I've got to say, it's, it's like... It's a great... To, it's group, a yeah. really... I always as, love seeing all of you yeah. guys together. I mean, except for the fact that when we came and did your thing, it's just like... It's, it's like madness. some wrangling no, I love madness. It. Yeah. Ezra sent me a video... I feel like dad occasionally. I'm like, hey... <laughs> Listen to Josh. <laughs> I will just say I've gotten some choice um, videos yeah. sent from, uh, by Ezra to me ra randomly. Amazing. From the streets of like random streets around the world. And I'm like, what are you doing? What is... I'm Amazing. He's amazing. Okay, you've got to cut them all together. I, some yeah. Sort of, yeah, I know. I was... Yeah. So is... Um, it sounds like the third one is moving forward. Steve Clovis is now helping yep. to write it. Yeah. This is exactly what I've heard. That, that's how we're on the same page. <laughs> we're on the same page. I mean, I really don't know... Yeah. I don't know any more than that other than it's got to be exceptional. It's got to be yeah. like, it's got to be something wonderful because it's such a, an astonishing world and it's a world that I loved in the Potter films swimming in and, and there is a fan base. Fan base, God, that sounds well. There are just people that love that world well, and have expectations it. Yeah. for it and we need to hit those. So I'm, I'm excited to go into it with a... With everyone having, you know, firing on all cylinders and wanting to make it the best yeah. it possibly can be. Are, are you sensitive at all, or, or, or do you like watch sort of the reception of it? It's so funny because like that, the second film I think made like literally six hundred fifty million dollars. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was also yeah, there's also some perceptions that it wasn't as great as the yeah. first one, and yeah. some people for whatever reason. I mean, work. I'm not. I'm. I'm for, for better or worse. I, 
hear all of that. And, yeah. and, and, and the reason when people say, do you read criticism? I'm like, I, I do, because it sort of galvanizes you. And yeah. that's why, I mean, I, I was totally open-eared to all of that. And, and, and I think that everyone was, because, again, because J.K. Rowling has created something that is so... It is this weird thing where, where worlds reach a, a, um, a status where they, they're almost owned by the by the I know exactly where you're going with this. Yes, that you, they feel like they are. Yeah, and, and, partners and rightly, mm-hmm. and, and as a fan of of, of her world, you, so, so it's this complicated thing where it's of course still her baby and her imagination, right. but the expectations are high, and so I think, um, yeah, we're all going to go in with our. All guns blazing. I just hope if All you... All ones. <laughs> oh, Christ. I just hope you guys... Uh, uh, so supposedly it's set at least partially in, in Rio. Yeah. Just let you guys go to Rio at least. You, I mean, if you're going to have a film in Rio, Eddie should get to go to Rio. Freaking tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. Let's have Newt in his Speedos walking down that's, Copacabana. Okay, that's not where I was going. I don't <laughs> the, the pallid, pale, red mane forward slash commander skin... Like There's your opening scene. down <laughs> Copacabana at the cover with, like, I don't know. I like it. Do you reckon? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, Josh, if what you're saying is, can you actually go and shoot on the locations, can I just make it absolutely clear that I have fought hard to go to every... I, I sort of write emails relatively consistent, <laughs> consistently to one of our producers going, so... Are you just on a like scout in this country, looking at what the you know, right. so that you can rebuild it in these? Because well, it's I'm quite there. excited. What I am quite <laughs> excited is if we are shooting, which we are shooting, I think quite a lot in Leavesden. Yes, they are. Rob and Zoe and Paul are all shooting um, Batman in Leavesden. That's a nice which benefit. Which I am, you know, busy pitching for like although I think that's been cast as well now I was like basically I could come dressed as Newt's commander I could be the butler <laughs> you know Andy Serkis's Alfred you missed out on that one too seriously like Alfred's pal <laughs> <laughs> wait Harvey Dent do you know about Harvey Dent Two-Face yes yes, they, yes apparently they're still looking for that oh are they okay <laughs> there's like desperation and there's desperation I'm like Warner Brothers are making it they know me they do know they, you if, if I was crossing their mind they would have okay. they would have called well you're happy no, for your I'm friends I'm using it at the fact that we're shooting at the same time that's, that's why that's why I'm not <laughs> Catwoman are you okay with um, do you feel like you still need to check the superhero box or is it sort I, of you like know, I might honestly it's script by script. Yeah. I would never... I, I know it sounds silly, but you don't... You know, I never say never to anything. There are certain kinds that I could... I mean, like, your buddy Benedict. Like, you could have done Doctor Strange. That makes sense. Like, that I kind of... I don't feel like I have the physical presence as Ben does. You know, he's got, like, the... We've never seen got, him in a Speedo on uh, the Copacabana. At the Copacabana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay... That's how to make sure Fantastic Beasts 3 does worse than Fantastic Beasts <laughs> Sorry, never mind, never mind, never mind. Um, okay, so do you know what's, what's coming up after? You're in the middle of this. You're just starting getting started? Yeah, we're at? halfway through. We're okay. literally halfway through shooting. Jeremy Strong is in this movie as well. Have you watched yes, Succession? Succession, oh my God. So I've known Jeremy for many years, and he is just so wonderful in this. Again, talk about an actor finding the right part at the right time. Uh, it's yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, but, uh, so... We're right. Yeah, he was pointing out that it, we are literally halfway through. Yeah. Um, 
but I've still got my um, my cooking. I, did I actually break the Birdman wings? I don't think I did. Do it wasn't that. like you cracked it in half no, over your knee, I, but you picked it up. It was probably already a precarious thing. construction. Okay, well that wasn't on purpose. I thought I just hurt the. Um, I remember losing the the inception. Oh, the inception spindle. totem. Yeah, well, I, those are gone. I think those, those are. Gone. Oh, see, you're passing it off like you didn't steal it, yeah. but we know now. Okay. <laughs> check your trailer on the set of this yeah. one. It's filled with to yeah. Josh Horowitz shit. <laughs> Literally <laughs> everywhere. I love uh, it. It is a thing. You're always welcome here to but go off e. talk e. my weirdness. Spielberg came on set the other day. <gasps> yeah. How was that? That was that was pretty cool. He, what do you say to Spielberg? What are you um, good in those you know, situations? He's pretty, uh, I had met him once when um, when I was doing Red, yeah, and um, and I was really hungover. So they have this thing on Broadway where they do like Sunday matinees, which yeah. in the UK you don't work on a Sunday, and it was the first week and I had done the first week and I'd sort of forgotten there was a Sunday show so I got to Saturday where you have two shows and I'd gone out and it had been press week and I'd gone out and got really really obliterated and then turned up the next day it's really one of the only times I've ever been slightly out of it on stage and there were only two of us on stage so I felt like I was floating the whole way through the play and then at the end as I was coming down past the past Alfred Molina's dressing room he's like hey Colin, you've got to come and meet my friend Stephen <laughs> my legs sort of buckled with shame so I did, I haven't, that was about, again, 10 years ago. And I, I hope you didn't apologize again when you saw him, him the other day. Like, I, I mean, I was on the verge of it. I think I just sort of skulked into a back room. Yeah. <laughs> he's clocked me. He knows. No, he's, he's, but, um, amazing. yeah, no, I'm excited to see West Side Story. I mean, yeah. who's not? He was saying that he had an amazing time doing that. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying your time in New York. Yeah. Your time with Mr. Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, I could just talk here for hours. People have probably checked out this podcast. About no, not at all. You're ago. always welcome here. It's not going to be five more years before you're back on the yeah. podcast. And as you can see, there's plenty in the office to, uh, to, to stare at me, if you get bored. Yeah, but like, so just, I don't know, has, has this office been photographed? I can, I, can I talk about how creepy this office? The most creepy, creepy thing what? is a mixture, a sort of mashup photo of Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper that should be perfect and yet somehow is very, <laughs> it's very odd. Very much not. There's, <laughs> there's James McAvoy's Professor Triple X business card. This is a sketch I did with him. You know I'm always trying to get you into one of these sketches. Always. Don't, no, you're not. Like, we, we did a Hufflepuff one that was quite. We did. Yeah. That, was bare, that was scratching I, the surface. That was buddy. scratching the surface. <laughs> come on. You, let's let's come up with an idea. That me and Ezra have done. All I'm saying is. It's good. Is it's it fun. It's okay. good. You'll have I a good mean, time. I'll take care of my, you. Will you though? <laughs> Will you though? I did this one recently with James Corden, who I adore oh, yeah, and good. I love. No, it hasn't come out yet. Oh, I saw the one for a Yeah, 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 yeah. This one I think is going to be so humiliating. It's like I'm sort of like there are just levels of humiliation that <laughs> we'll find the sweet spot of humiliation. Humili okay? okay, good. I'll rein you back in from your Copacabana ideas. Okay, okay, <laughs> I'll take care of you. Okay. I'm here for you. Okay, good. Uh, Michael Shannon, the non-sexual escort. That's another cash classic. Only. Wow. It's a lot to think about. I can't I wait. Want to wait your so is, that, is that a thing? That's what we did okay, one of those. Okay, guys, I need to go and check out your YouTube channel. <laughs> check out Josh's YouTube channel. Good. Not with the kids around. Not with the kids around. Yeah. Okay, they'll probably, I mean, they're frankly so obsessed with seeing anything that's on a screen. That's like, yeah. <laughs> Frozen yeah. 2 coming soon. Are they old enough to enjoy? Do you know, it's funny... So my thing with my kids is that I feel like the second you've seen anything Pixar or thingy, yeah. you can't go back. Right. So at the moment, they're on, on the, the, the old Robin Hood, which is my favorite cartoon ever. And Iris, my daughter, is really into that. But she's through subliminally through other kids is, yes. is singing Let It Go. 
And so now she's in New York, and Michael Grandage, who's director, directed Frozen on Broadway. So I, my wife and I are deciding that we, or thinking we probably should let her see Frozen. Right. In order that she can then go and watch the theatre one. Did she do like Elsa for Halloween or anything like that? Or was she, do you know, she actually did Mary Poppins. Aww. She's obsessed with Mary Poppins Returns. And obsessed with it. <laughs> has she oh, met oh, Emily yet? Yeah, that would blow no, my mind. No, but I did send the photo of Iris dressed as Mary Poppins to Emily because I said to Emily, well, I was like, the amount of effort <laughs> that went into probably Emily creating, which I think is an amazing performance, by the way, yeah. Mary Poppins. But Iris was like, so. Um, That's so, so excited. She's broken her umbrella, though, which is a bit upsetting. Slightly annoyed that she doesn't have a talking umbrella. It runs in the family, like father, like daughter. They break, they break things. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, I'm going to leave this podcast feeling no. horror and guilt. You, to be fair, you came in feeling that way. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this isn't a good therapy session. No. Don't come no to progress. Therapy. Just stasis. 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 No progress. That's right. See you again in five years. Yeah, I can't wait. No progress is exactly the same. <laughs> Me too. Nothing will have changed. Go see the aeronauts, that go, though, guys. Come on. Yeah, go see the aeronauts. If you come away with one thing besides our neuroses. Yeah, it is to go and... And particularly if you have a fear of heights. Yeah. Yeah. Worse for me. I have a fear of heights. You have fear of heights. Fear of everything. Yeah. That's why we get along. A fear buddy. of everything. That's like a sequel to <laughs> theory, theory of everything. everything. Yeah. All right. We need to stop talking. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> shut up. I hate myself. All right. Good night. 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 Bye. Everybody. Bye. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha <laughs> ha